Hey there, Pure Report listeners, Rob Ludeman here. On this upcoming episode, you're going to hear from one of our field solution architects, Marsha Pierce, who has outstanding knowledge and background as a DBA and now specializes around SQL Server and database technologies in general. We have a terrific chat about uh, the challenges that DBAs have, the things that they contend with. Uh, it dives pretty deep technically, too, as well. So if that's your flavor, uh, stay tuned. You will love to hear that. Uh, quick plugs, VMworld is coming up. And so when we get this published, there should be still a week or two if you're listening uh, to see what we're up to at VMworld. Plenty of sessions, also a podcast with Cody Hosterman on the Pure Report that you can listen to. And uh, we will also be at Accelerate in Austin. Uh, the 15th through 18th of September. Would love to see you out there. And we're also starting to talk about Microsoft Ignite. Not too early to uh, plug our presence in Orlando in November, early, early November. So maybe the heat will be uh, a little bit less in Orlando, but would love to see you at any or all of those events. And now stay tuned for Marsha Pierce on The Pure Report. Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and welcome again as we bring you the orange. And today, our special guest is Marsha Pierce, who is in town. You live out in, are you Tennessee? Where are you? Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. So we're going to get we're gonna get your, your great accent going here today, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So Marsha is one of our field solution architects specializing in SQL Server, Microsoft Technologies. Um, what, what types of things do you do as an FSA, as we call them here. Oh, a little bit of everything. <laughs> right? A smorgasbord. <laughs> a smorgasbord. Yeah. You know, I meet with comf customers all over the world, and we basically, at a high level, do a lot of solutions designs for them, looking at their workloads, how we're going to help them out with performances. But we also look at their processes and, like, maybe help them redesign some of their processes to make them a little bit more efficient and modernized. So purified. operational. Yeah, yeah. Operational kinds of things. I know your background. What, what I love about when you go out and you do your work is you have immense cred. You have great credibility because you, should I say, suffered as a DBA? You know, yeah. you were you were you were a database administrator for many years and years and years around SQL Server. How talk about that a little bit what you did and then I want to understand how that impacted impacts what you do today. So, I was a database solutions architect uh, and DBA out in the field for yeah. like 20 something years. Uh, worked every every place from small companies to large scale healthcare and telco companies. You know, as the data sets changed, you know, the performance metric, metrics changed and we had to start using storage solutions to kind of meet the needs of what we were doing. But, you know, worked with mainly SQL Server, but yeah. all kinds of database platforms. Yeah, kind of everything. I know yeah. you specialize in that now, but you, you've kind of dabbled in, you know, in Oracle and, and other things that are out there. Yeah. There used to be a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Right? But yeah. there still yeah. are. Cybase People are doing things like Postgres, that. Postgress, right? Sure, sure. And then the modern ones, yeah. right? The modern ones. So, and, you know, you know, right, with your work as a DBA, the kinds of things that DBAs have to deal with on a daily basis or a weekly basis? What, what are some of the, what are the top three challenges that you recall, you know, that, that still relate today? For DBA? Yeah, well, for DBAs. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to put it in context of what it would manage for a storage company, one yeah. of the big things that DBAs get hammered on a lot is the amount of space that we consume. So capacity planning. Ca yeah. Capacity planning, right. Yeah. We, I would say we're probably usually the biggest consumer of space at most companies. It's your databases that are consuming space. 
And then performance, right? And we talk about performance a lot here. So that's a big deal that people are talking about. And copy data management. Oh, yeah. Things like automation, uh, continuous integration, on-prem cloud, actually up in the cloud, you know, trying to automate and standardize those builds. Yeah. Those are some of the big things that people There's a lot of those. And I want to dive into those, you know, particularly relative to Pure later. But talk a little about SQL Server. You know, why, you know, and I know it spans... Small companies, medium companies, even big, large enterprises. But but why why do companies choose to run Microsoft SQL Server versus other things that are out there? What are the hallmarks of it? Uh, well, I, you know, years ago, I would say that people like ran it because they thought it was simple. Yeah. But Microsoft has grown a lot and it scaled a lot. And so now people run it because of the high performance that they can get, the integrations that they can get. I think it's the largest database platform currently out there. So, you know, the Microsoft footprint is growing. And now they have high availability options like always on, containers, they're, they're pushing containers. So it's usually for the HA, you would be surprised at the big, large number of companies behind the scenes that are doing things out on the web that are running on SQL Server. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, when we see how much... Uh how much business here that we do where we're, we're helping service, you know, data management challenges where, where SQL Server is the database sitting on top of that. And even running, you know, big, big enterprise applications that yeah. are out there. It's it's come a long way from being sort of this simple lightweight thing to a lot of, um, you know, really robust, right, enterprise features right. that you see in it. Um, so... What else is Microsoft doing around SQL? Do you have insight into yeah. kind of their development? I know you're probably tight with some of the folks over there. Yeah, and uh, this is all, I think, publicly public knowledge. Yes, where keep it, definitely going. keep it to public, yeah. right? For sure. So, you know, everybody knows several years ago that Microsoft announced that they were going to start running SQL Server on Linux. And I, we were all like, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> Huge departure from the old Microsoft, right? Yeah, so that that was a big thing to get around. And I would say most companies are still on Windows. But yeah, so Linux is a direction they're pushing. But I would say that they're pushing Linux because where they're really wanting to get to is containers, yeah. Kubernetes, Docker, yeah, right? Yeah, like, that's the next big thing. Well, it's not even the next big thing. It's here. It's right? here. It's right. here now. Yeah. I would say most people are not going to be running it for production yet. But when you, I talk to companies all the time who are looking at it for dev test. All, and it, it's a great story for dev test. So that's actually happening. That is actually Already, happening. Like in real time. Yes. What about the Linux thing? Is there, is there sort of a reluctance on folks that have been Windows users for so long to dive in there? Or is it because Linux has been so pervasive for 20 years now, you know, going from a desktop to an enterprise space that it's really not that big of a of a shift for, for folks that are doing the system administration? Um, it really depends on your company. So yeah. th- I worked in a lot of shops that were 100% Linux, except for Microsoft SQL Server. So for them, it's not a big uplift. And when you're looking at containers, they're usually Linux-based containers. So that is a big push. Most people are still going to stick with Windows, but I think it gives you the options now. Okay, yeah. yeah. And choice is always better than gaps, right? Right, in the, right. In the portfolio, that's and something now, that we always like to say. And then when we talk about things like NVMe directly to the host, right? Yeah, yeah. That happens on Linux, so it's not supported yet under Windows. So yeah, it's giving yeah. us even it's more options. Of course. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense strategically, you know, when they were when they were considering that. I want to go back into some of the the challenges that you talked about relative to um, to DBAs and just kind of hit those okay. sort of one by one, um, just to make sure folks are kind of clear on you know what what's the what's the average day in the life right of a DBA. Where are they going to experience um, complexity? What are some of the, com- the 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 daily complex challenges? Is that around you know tuning the database? Is it, you know, performance issues? Is it that? It's a little bit of all of those things. You know, I I always talk about um, 
storage strategies for a lot of these solutions, but like one of them is uptime. Mm -hmm. So you have high availability uptime solutions. Traditionally, that was clustering, right? Uh, now it's always on availability groups, which come with double the storage space. We help mitigate some of that. Yeah. So that's a lot more complex solution uh, that people are dealing with. Then there is performance, uh, virtualization, right? I would say most people are virtualized today. And if you're going to look at it from an infrastructure standpoint, usually the biggest weight that most people have in their environment overall on databases is latency to the storage. And that even gets um, magnified once you're virtualized. Why? What's the relationship between the amount of virtualization you have versus the data access? Well, Do things just start bogging down because of the resource utilization at that layer? Uh, it's usually how you have tuned the environment to work. And so okay. VMware does a great job now. They have a new guide guiding people around how to optimize their SQL Server environments. It was not quite as clear before. And so if you think about it from a infrastructure standpoint, you've got a shared piece of hardware that traditionally you would put one database yeah, on that metal, physical bare metal, right? right. Yeah, now yeah. you've popped 20 databases on there. Should you tune that server in the same way that you did for the bare metal? No. Yeah. You, you've got to open up the pipeline. You've got to open up your fiber channel or iSCSI connections and tune the hypervisor properly in order to get the most throughput out of their storage. So there's a lot of things that I did as a DBA. Uh, we would measure latency of volumes and do what I call play LUN Tetris. That we help negate LUN some of that. Tetris? Yeah. LUN you, Tetris. I love it. Yeah. Where you look at the IO profiles of all your data right. files. And then you spread them out across different data stores so that you're spreading the IO. DBAs spend a lot of time doing things that they don't think are storage related, like set, setting up their data files for mm -hmm. RAID 5 or RAID 10, mirrors striping their logs, using file groups and files to disperse that load across different RAID groups. All those are storage talks, yeah, right? They, they don't really think about them as storage activities when we talk about how quickly can you restore your database. The bottleneck a lot of times is the storage. Yeah. When you think about indexing strategies, yes, you're going to create the most optimized index. But a lot of times we look at sometimes not adding indexes to databases because they consume extra space. But the question is, do they? Because they may not always on a data reducing array. Yeah. So it changes the conversation a little bit. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and just a blatant plug, um, I had Cody Hosterman on recently, <laughs> right? So that podcast, by the time you know this gets published, will be up there. So if you are listening and want to you know, go into a little more depth on the VMware side for some of the things that Marsha was just talking about, Cody talks at, at great length about you know VVOLs, right? Virtual volumes and what that does to solve some of those you know, resource utilization as well as um, just management issues. But right, you still need there. multiple pair of virtual SCSI adapters oh, yeah. so that you're not yeah. at the hypervisor. And I'm, I'm going to do a shameless plug. Yeah. I'm going to be at VMworld on a panel cool. uh, talking about this with some other SQL Server experts out there. And uh, it'll be great. So if you guys are at VMworld, come by and see us talk about SQL Server performance with the VMware team. I'm glad you got that in. That saves me having to do the blatant plug <laughs> later on, right, to get yeah. you in there. In VMworld, and obviously, you know, you've got tons of things uh, going on, particularly on this talk track at Accelerate, too, yeah, which, yeah. you know, which which is always great. What what does, I want to go into development next, but I want to, I want to tackle these like, kind of complexity and performance things you're talking about. What, what and how does Pure solve this, right? You come here and you're aware of those issues, you know, with the indexing and the volumes and all the different things you were just mentioning. Do, do we simplify all that with Pure? Is we it, do. Is it, is it really that, that crystal clear 
Maybe there's not. still some things you have to do, but some of those things just potentially go away. Yeah. So like you don't have to worry about as much as your VMD placement and data stores when you're virtualized on us. That is somewhat negated when you talk about how our RAID works. When you talk about snapshot management mm-hmm. for performance, a lot of times that has impacted performance taking snapshots. You know we help negate some of that as yeah. well. And then indexing. No, I don't think that is usually as clear that it makes a change. Uh, that but, one's always kind of complicated. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then when you look at all the empty space that people have in da- and databases and all the extra space we sometimes need for overhead, you can once you start talking to people, you can kind of change the conversation. Like, why do you care if you mm-hmm. have an empty volume sitting there that they might need in case of an emergency? Because it's not consuming space. And so it kind of changes how they look at things. And then if we talk about dev, test, and all that copy data management. Yeah, that's what I want to go into next, right? Because that's a big topic, regardless of what we're talking about, right? I mean, we've covered it in other pods on Oracle, you know, with snapshot automation. And certainly there's a, there's an SAP play. We have the same copy data, data management challenges in SQL Server that, you know, you and the other architects have really spent a lot of time figuring out how to how to solve, right? right, as best you can. But but why? What's the process? Talk about what's going on operationally that creates the challenge. So this was something I was talking about before I joined Pure. Yeah. And the fact that our snapshots work as incredibly awesomely as they do just makes it that much better. But if you think about it, in the traditional world, most DBAs have at least six copies of their data. They have production, they have QA, they have dev, they have UAT, they have reporting, they have their data warehouse, and then they have uh, DR. That was, what, seven? Seven. Seven. More than six. Yeah, more than six. And maybe even more, right? You (laughs) you may have missed one of the acronyms, but But there's a lot, right? There's a lot there. Yeah, and it's usually your really large database that you have a copy of that, right? And so when you talk about I call it the DBA hamster in the wheel, how much time DBAs spend manually copying that data with backups and refreshes or replication or some kind of laborious process. Which can be manual, right? Right. And prone to errors, right? Which means you got to go back and do it again. Right. And you usually have somebody, I've seen people have people up at night watching that copy copy process. Like, oh, it doesn't take long. It's usually done in like two or three days. Um, (laughs) If you can replace that with a process that happens in seconds... But then on top of that, doesn't consume space. Yeah, that's the big one. That, or, or impact production resources, right. right? The production database. So if you think about this, so some companies right now with DevTest, uh, because clones, when they are fully hydrated for writes, usually do consume space, when they start looking at us, they can change the game. Mm-hmm. And I did this when I worked in a continuous integration shop. I ran and used snapshots. So we were able to take full copies of production data down to our UAT environment. When you do that, you don't have to then do what's called building synthetic data sets, which is very time consuming, or trying to reproduce bugs down in your lower environments, or taking subsets of data, which is also very time consuming. We had about 200 data point changes we made a week in our database environment. So every time we would do that, all the scripts would have to be updated. With snapshots, it's just a simple like clone process, you know, it's usually about 10 lines of code. We make them super simple. I look at people's code all the time who are leveraging. I was just this morning at a hospital that had um, about 150 lines of code from their old storage vendor to refresh their environment, and they didn't know how to maintain it. And I showed them, it was like 10 lines, people, 10 lines. That's it, yeah. (laughs) Two of them are pure. (laughs) There you go. Right, yeah. If it it moves, automate it. If it it needs to be scripted, right? Something like that. There's the old adage, right? 
And it's not just dev test. If yeah. you think about reporting environments, refreshes, or seeding replication, or DR strategies, there are all these different processes, seeding availability groups that DBAs do that can be replaced with these processes. Oh, oh my favorite? ETL, data warehouses. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. Right? I don't think anybody really does ETL. I don't know why we still, it's just a legacy term we use. Most people from data warehouses want extract and load. They don't want anybody to transform the data. Yep. And usually about half of their overnight time is spent doing the ETL. If you can replace that with a clone in two seconds, you've just doubled the amount of time you have to do your cubing or to recover from an error. Also kind of makes those processes a lot cleaner. Yeah. ETL people suffer, or sorry, data warehousing people suffer a lot of times from code anomalies, things that they expected to see in production, and they didn't quite look like that. And a lot of times, data warehousing people don't get full copies of their data sets in lower environments because they're just so large. Yeah, it takes too much time. Right. Yeah. So who wants to copy, give somebody a 60 terabyte dev environment to play around with? It's usually prohibitively expensive. Right. So if we can like negate that cost, one, you're going to get a full, you're going to make your developers happy, but your code is going to, going to be cleaner. You're going to have better code that comes out, less errors in production. So And even higher, and even, uh, you know, higher level business transformation, right? Just people who get access to knowledge and information, because you know, ultimately that's what you know that's that's the functional part of dealing with the data warehouse and and doing ETL but if you have queries and reports that take you know 2 days to run and all of a sudden they're running in like minutes huge win for it the is. business right yes. and and the DBAs are you know they can can go focus on other stuff yeah but it's a huge win for the business yeah yeah and it is about you know i've always thought of my job as a DBA it's not just to like manage the database that's i mean the first job right to make sure the data is secure but it's to help enable business to do what they need to do yeah access right mm-hmm. it's just access to data um, keeping it safe. You mentioned you, this good segue. You, you caught, I caught you <laughs> like a minute ago talking about data protection, business continuity. And these are things that for better or for worse, fall upon the shoulders also of, of DBAs, right? To right. not just manage, you know, what's the backup and restore strategies, but ultimately a holistic approach to d- data integrity, security, to what happens if a tornado hits the data center, um, those are complex things as well. And we do really well at Pure with, with simplifying those, right? We do. And I think it's not a thing that DBAs talk about enough, Yeah, particularly in the SQL Server world because of how backups and restores work. So if you think about all the HA solutions that DBAs do, you know, our number one job is to be able to recover the database should something happen. So we implement solutions like clustering and always on and virtualization. But those only protect you against hardware failure. Yeah. They don't protect you, what I like to use the phrase, data disaster. Somebody has messed up your data, maybe dropped a pricing table, done something, uh, ran a bad update, some bad code got pushed, and you have to recover that data. And do these things happen pretty often? The most common error that we're going to get when you talk about, is it a hardware failure, a Mm -hmm. DR scenario, or a data disaster? Data disaster. Data disaster. And, and usually then, human human yes. initiated? Almost yeah. always. Almost always. Almost right. always, yeah. Yeah, you can't code around people. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> we can only make bad code run so fast. Right, right. right. <laughs> so it's you you have to protect people against those user errors. And right now, people don't really talk about it because there's not a solution. How quickly can you restore your multi-terabyte database? And that is, most people are like, I don't have a problem. I can restore it. It mm-hmm. takes like eight or nine hours. That's fine. Yeah. 
well, that's not fine. How much does that cost your company when you're down? And when I worked at a hospital company years ago, we kind of looked at this. And we had 16 plus terabyte, upwards of 100 terabyte databases. And we realized it was going to take days for some of those databases to restore. And so we started relying on storage technologies. And there's a couple ways we can do this here at Pure on Array. You know, we can do a backup and restore in just a few seconds. Yeah. And then off array with a traditional backup, we can still do a multi-terabyte database in a few minutes. And I think that's game changing. Totally. I know that we talk about it some, but when I demo this for people at SQL Server conferences, it blows their mind. They're blown they're away. Like, yeah. They're like, was that multiple terabytes? Right, I'm like, right. yes. Yeah. Not on your storage array, a regular SQL Server backup. No fancy, you know scripting or plugins. It was just a regular SQL backup going to our FlashBlade and we restored it in a few minutes. That's game changing. That is, that is, yeah. And power FlashBlade, right? Highly, right. highly parallelized, very scalable, able to handle those big massive data sets. And, you know, of course with with the density handle a lot of backups, but the, the big business issue is how fast can you restore? And you how fast can you get it back? And maybe you only have that issue once or twice a year, right, mm -hmm. for your database. But how much does it cost you? For us, our average cost, or I say us, companies I used to work at, right. $10,000 a minute. It's so, a big number. Yeah. And now there's security, you know, there's compliance and regulations that require you to be able to recover data. You know, I'm sure in the hospital, you know, you had HIPAA type of things. And maybe that's not related, but... Um, no, but it was related that, to patient care. Yeah, to patient care, but also having that data back in a certain amount of times or regulators are going to go, what's going on, you know, and we'll fine you or, or whatever they're going to do. Yeah. For us, it was mainly a patient care. We did not want to be down for any length of time. We had to be a backup in an hour. That was our DR requirement. Your DR requirement timeline should apply to your restores because that's more common than going to DR. And I think we even simplify DR, the replication backwards and forth. So simple. Yeah. And multiple use cases. Right. Right. I mean, there's even, you know, snapshotting capability for doing that. And so that snapshot capability is really multi-layered mm -hmm. when you look at, is it just reseeding local production copies of data? Is it dev test? Is it DR? It's all of that. Yeah. It's holistic, right? Right. I, mean, I kind of look at it as, you know, you want to do it on near line on the local array, go for it. If you want to push it to a different array, you can. If you want to have a backup and restore scenario with a flash blade, do that. Um, you know, we're talking already about things in the cloud as well, right? That's an exciting new frontier that we'll be taking on that, you know, lets you take advantage of that with new economics. Or containers. Like sure. People are talking about containers and you're going to pop a database in containers and now people want to spin up 50 containers. Well, how much space is that going to consume? Oh, yeah. And when you take the, what, 50 copies of a one terabyte database and you can say that's still only one terabyte or actually on us, that's only 330 gigs. Yeah. That is really kind of game changing. And I don't think DBAs are fully aware of all the different things their storage can do for them. They usually think of it as a performance conversation. Yeah. And it's yeah. so much, we're great for performance and most DBAs love us for that. But we do so much more. Yeah, I think it's all these operational things. I mean, performance is what it is. And it seems to me that, that people feel that performance is good enough Mm -hmm. You know, and we have great performance and, and kind of everybody out there is touting it, right? It's the easiest thing to promote. But when you look, when you, when you take, you know, you, you peel it back a layer and look at these operational things that really do impact what you have to do as a DBA on a daily basis and to say, no, you don't have to do those things anymore. Look at what we've solved or you don't have to sweat out this really long restore because we can do it really quickly for you. 
those are the game changers. Yeah, I don't want to focus on those mundane tasks as a DBA. Correct. I want to do on-prem cloud. I want to do the container deployment. I want to do the shiny new things. And so if we can help operationalize and speed up those like time-consuming mundane things, even better. If you can like restore your database really quickly, that's one less thing you have to worry about. Um, shifting gears a tiny bit, one of the I've seen you present a number of times. We were at Ignite last year, and again, blatant plug: we'll be at Microsoft Ignite in November. <laughs> we'll be a silver sponsor. It's not too early to start promoting our our presence there. Great sessions, and Marsha, if you want to um, see her and all this great knowledge around uh, SQL Server and DBAs. But one of your talk tracks that I'm always fascinated with is. Um, how should I put it, enabling storage admins, enabling storage folks to relate to or, or talk better with DBAs and vice versa. I want to hear more on that because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating approach that these folks kind of work in the same enterprise, but it's sort of like from Venus and from Mars, that, 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 it book, is. For, you know, that they're just kind of different. And, and one of my first jobs in IT, we uh, had an Oracle database and we bought a SAN for it. So my actual first certification was in SANS, okay. even though I'm a DBA. Right, right. And so I learned that all these technologies were out there. And so that was like my promotion as a DBA, even data architect, was to get that disconnect to make it go away within my own teams. And now I promote that, I think, for other companies because they don't talk. I think uh, storage admin CDBA is a pain in the butt. Because we just want more space. We right. want more. What happens if you give a DBA 100 terabytes? They ask for 100 more. Right. Or five times that. <laughs> right, right. right. We'll go back to those, never those six or seven <laughs> copies of things that they need, right? That's multiplied by five or six. And I think we should change the game and they should look at us as their customers. We're yeah. actually their customers. Mm-hmm. And we are, you know, what's giving them all this great storage to manage because we do consume so much space. Yeah. So um, they just don't talk. And so DBAs, I also like sometimes chop it up to our awesome communication skills that we have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're pretty good. You're holding your own here on the pod. (laughs) Yeah, but in general, I would say that most DBAs don't do a really good job of explaining to the storage admins why they need certain things. So I usually go off and say, you think you're crazy because your DBAs have six copies of data, right? Yeah. And then we talk about all the different reasons why they need to do this, why data is growing exponentially in their environment and the DBAs can't do anything about it, why they're so particular about asking for RAID 5, RAID 10, and mirroring because the DBAs just basically say, just give it to me because I say so. That's right. Yeah, and they don't say it's for performance, this is for our company. You know, the DBAs are really only doing what they need to do to meet the needs of the company, but they just don't communicate and talk to each other. And most companies, it's become kind of an adversarial, finger-pointing mm-hmm. conversation. Or my favorite, when they're virtualized, I'm like, so how many times does your DBA come to you, complain about performance, and you pull up your IOPS meter and tell them that you have millions of IOPS available. Yeah. And they're like, all the time, I'm like, you know that means nothing to That's them. Right. And yeah. then they giggle. They're like, yeah, I know, but mm-hmm. it makes them go away. I'm like, you know that they're not actually crazy. There's a hypervisor issue. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But because they didn't know how to communicate properly what metric they needed to look at, then you tell DBAs, show them the DMIO virtual file stats from Windows. That is the same latency. It should match up to what your array yes. says. So it's just speaking the same language, getting on a common ground, yes. opening up the lines of communications and making sure that there's an understanding of the business implications of what they're asking for. They and then both, things will work better. Yeah. They both want the same thing. Of course. They're just speaking in slightly different terms that don't make sense to each other. Or what is it? Uh, when, you, when we talk about 
Uh, I hear people talk about auto tearing. Mm-hmm. DBAs always think that the last thing they read is sitting up there in cash. I'm like, yeah, auto tearing does not work like database like cash. Yeah, not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, last thing before we wrap, I know you travel around and and you you engage on site with a lot of customers, which is super fun, right? Super. It's it's always a rush to get on site and see you know what folks are doing. But what, what gives you the greatest satisfaction when you go into those things? What what what's the outcome where you go away and go, ha? Huh, all right, made a difference today. This was really cool. It's really when we help them like rethink their processes mm-hmm. and what they're doing. And either they tell me they got a ton of space back, yeah. which I've had customers do, um, or they saved a lot of money, or they helped streamline their processes. When I help people set up cloning processes, and they're like, you just saved me hours every week. It makes me happy. That's great. When I tune their like virtual environments and they're getting better performance, and we reduce those licensing costs, it makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, and and I love that you're out there and available. So kind of my kind of my call to action for listeners here, right? If you're a pure user now and you're running SQL Server and you're using database um, and you want to see, you know, how we can tune things up, contact your account team, get, get Marsha on site and see what she can do to help you, uh, improve and op- on some of these operational types of challenges and performance things. We don't want to negate those. And if you're a prospect and kind of, you know, kicking the tires and seeing what we might be able to do, same thing, right? Yep. It'll come in, come in a pre-sales effort and take a look at your environment and, and see what it's up to and see if there's any ways that we can help you with pure. That's, that's kind of the whole goal. Yeah, and sometimes you just get free great advice that has nothing to do with storage. Yeah, and that's all right, too. That's all right. I know you like to dole that out. That's fantastic. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. The next time you're in town, I want to grab you here and uh, look forward to seeing you at uh, Accelerate next month and also at Ignite in November. And in Summit in November as well. Oh, gosh, Summit. VMworld. So we'll be at all those. Oh, my gosh, VMworld. So we'll be at all those. And your local SQL Saturday coming to a location near you. That's right. Keep an eye out for those. Well, awesome. Thanks for carving out some time for me today. And for those that are listening, hey, appreciate always that you uh, tune into the podcast. Thanks for uh, telling colleagues and friends. We will keep growing the base. We'll keep the topics coming for you. For more information, the best place to go around what we do for Microsoft Solutions is purestorage.com slash Microsoft. And there you see everything that we do with SQL Server, with Hyper-V, with Microsoft Exchange, Windows Admin Center, and the list goes on and on. There's so many things that we're doing with Microsoft and integrations. Really super exciting. Uh, And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and Marsha Pierce. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you.